<laughs> hey, we're so glad you're with us today. If you're a guest, welcome. It's an honor to be here. Today, I get the privilege of sharing significant, exciting news for our church about our future and about our building. And I'm really excited about sharing it with you. But I'm not going to tell you about it until after I preach today. <laughs> awesome, huh? Listen, I believe this. I think that um, I have a message, but I, I want to feed you. I think the Word of God is important. I want to feed you before we jump into this exciting news. I want to bait you to stay with me. I want you to pay attention all the way through. And so putting it at the end, I, I was thinking about, you know, in a good marriage tip that you never want to have a significant conversation on an empty stomach. So I'm going to feed the word to you first so that you'll be ready for what I share later. All right. Awesome. Listen, we're in a series called Pivot and Pivot is about how we make changes and how we can move forward when we experience unexpected changes in our life. And when we run into setbacks and obstacles, how do we, how do we move forward? How do we pivot? How do we make a decision to find the, the next way forward for us in our life? Sometimes doors in our life close and we need to find the next open door. And so that's the series we're in. If you're new to us and haven't been around a little bit, let me give a little bit of some of the concepts that we've talked about leading up to today's message, just to bring us all to the same place. And so when it comes to change, we need to know that change is unavoidable. There's no way of getting around change in our life. It's just always happening. Change is always constant in our life. Um, there are always things that force us to have to make changes in our life. And so change is unavoidable, which leads us to the series that we're in about pivot, because if change is unavoidable, every change requires us to pivot. So we have to figure out how do we move forward when we run into obstacles in our life? How do we change? So how many of you have been watching the NCAA basketball games, the March Madness? You having fun with that? Carolina won yesterday. Everybody see that? That was like a heart attack watching that game. They were up by 25 and then tied and overtime, crazy stuff. But when I was watching it, I was thinking about this series about pivot and the concept that we see in a basketball game is a player is driving the ball towards the goal. Someone blocks him. He plants a foot and he begins to pivot in order to find the next place to pass the ball, to, to be able to advance the ball forward. And so that's the whole concept of this series is when we find ourselves blocked, how do we pivot and find the way forward? So every change in life, every time we hit an obstacle, we must learn to pivot. Now, I believe this, and this is what I've been teaching, is that what is behind you is not as significant as what is ahead of you. Now, I'm not saying that whatever you're pivoting from wasn't important in your life. I just believe that with God, he always has a new, better way forward for us. And so we say that, that the best is always still to come with God. The best is yet to come. And so that's our series where we've been. I want to take us today to talk about pivoting into God's new plan. Last time I preached, which was two weeks ago, Harriet preached last week, dynamite message last week, by the way. Everybody give her a clap. So good. So great. But the previous to that, I preached about in Pivot how to leave some things behind, what is behind us. Today, I want to look to what's in front of us. Let's look forward to something looking ahead. And I want to use the Apostle Paul today as my example of how to learn how to pivot forward. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you're not familiar with him, 
He is what I consider one of the most important figures in the New Testament, not including Jesus himself. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and he took several missionary journeys in order to go from city to city to preach the gospel and to plant churches all over, all over that region, all over the ancient world at that time. Now, on his journeys, we know that he visited somewhere around 50 different cities as he traveled on these missionary journeys. And he traveled over 10,000 miles to make that happen. So 10,000 miles on foot or boat. Now just think about that. It's about 2,000 miles from Riceville Beach to Los Angeles. So he actually walked from Riceville Beach to Los Angeles about five times on his missionary journeys. That's pretty significant. He's a tough dude, I'm telling you. He is amazing. So his missionary journeys played a significant role, though, in establishing the early church. And as we read the New Testament, we're, we read about the churches that he established all through the New Testament. On Paul's second journey, though, we're going to talk about that. On his second journey, God led him to a point to where he had to pivot. He had to change directions. He was going in a certain direction, and the Holy Spirit prevented him from going there. So the Apostle Paul, he pivoted. He went in a new direction, and that's what we're going to pick up in this story. So on his second missionary journey, Acts 16, 4 says that they went from town to town. So he was on his journey visiting churches, instructing the believers to follow decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. So let me pause just for a moment. So he was on his way to Asia. So he was headed due west, if you looked at a map, due west. And the Holy Spirit prevented him and said, I do not want you to go into Asia. I want you to head north. And they went through what it says in Galatia there. And he went north up through that area. And so that was his first pivot. That was the first change of direction. So then it says, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Verse 8 says, so instead. Everybody say that with me. So instead. That's his pivot moment. He was trying to go to Bithynia. He was on his way. He was right on the borders of Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit said no. And so instead, they went through, the, through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. So instead. So instead of heading straight for where he was wanting to go, straight for the plans that he made, the Lord closed the door. So instead, Paul pivoted and went to Troas. Now, everything for Paul at this point had been going so smoothly for him. He had already visited nine churches that he had already planted, and now he was ready to go into Asia and then up into Bithynia to plant new churches all through that region. At this point, he had already walked 1,500 miles. So he was committed to his journey, to say the least. And he was right on the edge of going into Bithynia there when the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you to go there, and it pivoted him in a new direction. I find it so interesting because Paul was serving God with his whole heart. He was planting churches. He was traveling by foot. He was so ready to go in and, and do the work of God in a brand new area. He must have been excited about it. And then the Holy Spirit stopped him. So I'm going to put this moment 
in the Tim Blevins version, if I can. So sometimes you read the New King James Version or the you might read the Living you know, Bible Translation or whatever, but this is the Tim Blevins Version, so deal with it. The Bible says that, that Paul, when the Holy Spirit stopped him, it says, so instead of continuing with his original plan, Paul pivoted into God's new plan. Right? So he pivoted. And as a result of that, God continued to use Paul and he became one of the most influential leaders of the New Testament. So what can we learn from Paul's pivot? I want to teach us three things today. If you're taking notes, the first is, is I want you to write this down, is I can trust God when my life changes. We can. We can trust God. Now, we don't know in this story why the Holy Spirit prevented Paul from going into Bithynia. Uh, we don't, we don't have, the, the scripture doesn't tell us what the reason behind that. We can maybe assume some things. We might assume that there was political unrest in Bithynia and so it wasn't a good time to go in. We, we might assume that maybe there was a reason for his safety, that, that the Holy Spirit wanted to protect Paul for not going in. Maybe just the timing wasn't right. Maybe it was just a time where the, the people of Bithynia, they just didn't have ears to hear at that moment. But we don't know, but we know this, that God had to have a reason to keep Paul from walking into Bithynia. And so the Holy Spirit stopped him. Anytime that I encounter in my life a closed door by God, I like to assume that it's God protecting me from something that I didn't need to be a part of. I can trust God with a closed door in my life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now that's the, the point of what we want to be when we come into these moments of God changing direction in our life or we run into an unexpected circumstance in our life. We need to be able to trust God. God, with my whole heart, I trust you. Now the verse goes on to say to not lean on your own understanding. So it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There are so many times that you're going to be at a place and you have no idea why God has prevented you from moving forward in that way. I can only imagine the Apostle Paul in that moment when he got to the border of Bithynia to preach the gospel and God said, don't go there. He probably had no idea what was it about, why? But the obvious point is that, that if we trust in the Lord without our understanding, and there's going to be so many times that you don't understand what's going on in your life, you're going to just have to trust God on it. And then it says, in all our ways, submit to God. In other words, we're just saying, God, I trust you. I don't understand it, but I'm submitting to your plan for my life. Your will, not my will. Listen, I don't have to understand everything God's doing for me to submit to his plan. To be honest with you, it would be arrogant of me to think that I get to know everything and tell God how to run my life. Obviously, we want to trust God even when we don't understand it, yet all our ways submit to him. And then it says he will make our path straight. Listen, there's a promise that when you trust God in that moment, he will make our path straight. So when a door closes in our life, so instead of a long bout of discouragement in your life, so instead of being frustrated about the circumstances, we can pivot. We can place our trust in God. We can submit to him. And you need to know he cares about you and he has a path that he wants to lead you in. You can trust God. Amen. Amen. The second thing that we can learn from Paul's pivot is that God changes good plans 
into God plans. God changes good plans into God plans. The Apostle Paul had a really good plan. He was walking 1,500 miles into Bithynia. I mean, he had a plan to preach the gospel. He was on a missionary journey. If ever there was a time that you would think that God had cleared the path for him to go into Bithynia, that would be the moment, wouldn't you think? He had a good plan to go into Asia and then into Bithynia. He wanted to preach and establish new churches. All good plans, but God had a different plan. And I would call that a new God plan. So the Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs chapter 16, 9. It says, we can make our plans. And I want to encourage you as a, as a person in your life that you should make plans for your life. You should set goals and you should make plans. As a church, we make all kinds of plans and we set out to accomplish all these things that we believe that God is leading us to. You should do the same. But the reality is, is we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Think about Paul who was taking steps. How many steps is it to, I mean, do y'all wear like a step watch? You're like a mile, five miles is 10,000 steps. So 15, do the math. I mean, that's a lot of steps. So if we think about this, Paul had made his plans, but the Lord determined new steps for him. The Lord said, I need to turn you in a new direction. I need you to, to go in a different way. We can make our plans, but at times when God knows best, he will change those plans to a God plan. A change of plans does not mean we originally missed God's plan to begin with. It just simply means he's redirecting our plans to a new plan. I was thinking about Paul here and he wasn't in error. He wasn't in sin. He wasn't trying to serve selfish needs on his trip into Bithynia. He was just serving God and then God changed his plans. And so sometimes in your life, your best laid out plans can be plans that you feel are blessed by God. But sometimes God has a perspective that you and I don't have and he'll close a door so he can move you from your good plan into his God plan for your life. So instead, Paul pivoted from Bithynia and went to Troas. And the third thought for us today when God closes one door, he opens a new door. When God closes one door, he opens a new door. Paul's journey in ministry didn't end at the borders of Bithynia. That wasn't the end of Paul's journey. He actually took two more journeys after this, but he continued his journey because Paul, so instead, when he hit a closed door, so instead he went on to Troas I was thinking, I wondered what would have happened, though, if the Apostle Paul had not listened to the Holy Spirit and had pushed his way on into Bithynia. I mean, what would have happened? I mean, would have Paul stepped into political unrest? Would it have been some danger? Would he have been mugged? Would he have been killed? I mean, what would have happened to Paul? We don't know. I'm so glad Paul pivoted and so instead went somewhere else because he wrote 13 books of the New Testament, planted churches. He was instrumental in our, our faith today. I'm so glad that he pivoted and went a different direction. What would have happened if he'd gone for? We don't know. I assume this, though. God is good. Probably he would have grace on him. It probably would have been ineffective in some way. 
If Paul had pushed his way into something he shouldn't have been, I've done that before in my life. We've all forced a door open that we shouldn't have gone through and then we ask God to bless it after we get there and he doesn't usually do it, but he'll usually protect us and work our way back out. I'm so glad though Paul turned. I know this, that if Paul had not have pivoted, he would have missed out on God's next open door for him. So let me remind you of what the scripture says in Acts 16.8. It says that so instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Now, perspective. Paul is now going to write to the church in Corinth several years later. And he talks about this moment of pivot in his life. He's teaching this church how to handle the moments when God asks us to pivot. And he says to them in 2 Corinthians some years later about this moment. And he says, when I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. Like his perspective was where he could see what God was doing in his life. There are so many times that I have no idea why God has not answered a prayer in my life. And I begged him to answer a prayer and he didn't do it. Years later, I'm so grateful he didn't answer that prayer in my life. There have been so many times I've tried to go accomplish something and I begged God to do it and he didn't do it. Years later, I can look at it and go, now I see why. The Apostle Paul was able to write to that church and teach them that in those moments that God is asking you to pivot, you can trust him in it and he will open a new door of opportunity for you. He did it for Paul, he'll do it for you. New doors of opportunity. So if you're at a closed door, I want you to know that God is going to ask you to be like Paul and to pivot, to find your new way forward. And he has something in store for you. Amen. Amen. Pivoting. It's about finding that new way forward. And I hope in this series I've helped you pivot. And that concludes the pivot series today. Amen. 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 Now. The reason you came to church. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know you came for all the right reasons, but I do have a big announcement for you today. And um, so as we conclude that series, let me uh, jump into this, this big announcement for our church. And today I have really great news, but first I have some bad news. And so I'll share with you where we are. If you're new to us, so let me catch you up on our church and some of our dreams and our hopes and aspirations. So our church, uh, about five years ago, purchased about 17 acres of land. Great land, too. It's located on Independence, right past the Point Theaters, and just before you get to River Lights in that area there right across the street from the new giant Harris Teeters being built. It's a great location. And we purchased that about five years ago. Took us about three years because of the generosity of this body, but we completely paid off that property. Um, it was about a $700,000 uh, payment that we made above and beyond all our tithes and offerings. And so I just applaud the generosity of this church. Y'all are amazing. So from that point, after we paid it off, we hired our architects and they designed our building. And we have a building that is designed for 16,500 square foot building. We've presented this to our church several times and we've shown everybody. It's a 400 seat auditorium for us. 
Um, just so you'll know, there's probably about 300 seats in the auditorium right now. So a little bit bigger than where we are. Um, so we have in this new building, this design, kids' rooms, offices, a lobby with a coffee bar because everybody loves coffee. So that's in there. Um, our plan has been to begin the construction on this project about now. This would be maybe even last month would have been our, our better hope. Uh, to be able to move into this. Um, it would probably take around two years to build a building after clearing all the land and all that. And the estimated price we had from, a, um, from our architects who did national averages and then we had a construction company verify the numbers and they said at that point it probably cost about 2.7 to $3 million to build the building. So we got those numbers, we matched that up with a bank who agreed to loan us the $3 million so that we could move forward. So then we presented all our plans to the city and the city has taken month after month after month through approvals. And we still do not have an approval from the city today. Um, one of the things that they sent back to us, and I'll just, listen, I don't wanna knock the city, I love our city, um, but I feel like it's been a really tough road with them. But one of the things that they stopped our progress was they said we don't have a way for bicycles to get to our church. Um, and they stopped us from moving forward because we didn't have bicycle racks out front. Um, and they shut it down for that. So little things like that have been just crazy stuff. So nonetheless, it has taken a long time. So here's the bad news that I want to share with you. After the pandemic and the delays from the city and supply shortages and inflation, the bids came in for our building two months ago and the bid price went from $3 million to $5.7 million to build that building. Um, one bid came in at $6.5 million and that's really bad news. We cannot and should not spend $5.7 million on a 400 seat auditorium. This door is shut. We are in unprecedented times. And I don't like to use that word unprecedented unless it's reality. But no one foresaw a year and a half ago when we started this project, this level of change in, in our situation and the disruption in our world. No one had any idea that building cost would escalate by 100% on a commercial project. Currently, we're experiencing inflation rates at 7.9% compared to when we started this at 1.4%. If you've tried to do anything, you know that supply issues are significant problems today. Interest rates are raising. Gas prices are obviously up. We're watching a war in Ukraine that's, economy, that's impacting our economy, the world's economy. And the reality is, is no one can predict when any of these prices will return or if they ever will return back to levels of where we were a couple years ago. Which leaves us at a place where we could literally be stuck in, in a portable situation for, for a number of years waiting on something to change. Then once it changes, then to find a builder and then two more years to build. This could drag on. So since I've already got you depressed, let me tell you a little more bad news. So First Baptist Church, uh, 
who is our landlord here, has been amazing. And when we began this process of them, we said, hey, we'll probably be there about two years. So we had a two-year uh, agreement with them to, to lease here. Our two years have expired. And they have not renewed our lease for a number for two more years. And they have us at a month-to-month -month situation. The reason they're waiting makes sense. They are without a senior pastor for two years. And they wanted to wait until they had a new senior pastor and to see what his vision was for this activity center. Um, you know, potentially he might want to do a contemporary service over at the activity center because he's heard how well it works over here. And um, so, so we're month to month. And now listen, I have no reason to believe that they are in a hurry to displace us. They've been gracious hosts. They're, they're amazing church. I applaud them, have only wonderful things to say. But the reality is, as a leader, we're in a month-to-month -month situation, which does leave us vulnerable any way you shake it. And so that's a lot of bad news. Would you agree with me? So I, I wanted to prepare our church body for this moment. So I preached this series called Pivot because I want to help us pivot into God's brand new plan for us. But I think I need you to get on board with me real quick. One, two, three, and I'm going to say pivot. I want you to say it with me. One, two, three. Pivot. Pivot is how one door closes <laughs> and God opens a brand new door of opportunity. Have you ever heard that before? Man, that is some good preaching right there. I don't know who that guy was. So let me tell you some good news, church. Good news. Are you ready? We have a brand new location that will be bigger, less expensive than the new prices, quicker to move into, and in a phenomenal location in the center of our city. So instead of, as the Apostle Paul said, instead of building on our church property that we have talked about, we are pivoting to a brand new 15-year lease in the building that was formerly the Jelly Bean Skating Ring on Oleander. Welcome to your new home, church. I'll say it like this. She ain't pretty yet, but we're gonna put some lipstick on her, all right? Uh, so. So we secured this lease, finalized it this week, as a matter of fact, but we've been working on it for a couple months since we realized that one door had closed. We will spend time remodeling this, this church building into our new church building. Uh, we have called it the Jelly Bean Skating Ring, but today's the last day we use that term because now that's the Life Church church building that we worship in and whatever we want to say it's ours from here on so um, if you're if you don't know where that is I have a map for you 
And so this is a map. And so here we are on the far left side, right behind the Independence Mall and the Activity Center. You go up to Oleander, turn right, uh, go across College Road, and then there is our new Life Church home, the former Jelly Beans. How many of you ever been skating in Jelly Bean skating ring, though? How many have some memories there? Uh, somebody, the, the owner of the building, told me he had had some people tell me they'd had their first kiss in that building. So, so we're gonna do we're gonna do marriage series in there. It's gonna be great. The ground has already been paved, but. Um, that's going to be our new church home, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I want to do a side-by-side -side comparison, though, so you can see the pivot and how God has been at work. So the old plan, which is a good plan, wasn't it? It was a good plan. Uh, we felt like the Lord led us to that, and so here was the plan. The old plan has a building size of 16,500 square feet. The new plan, the new God plan, is a 26,400 square foot building. Bigger, bigger, bigger. The cost to build that old plan was gonna be at 5.7 million. Now we're gonna be under $3 million to do that. That's good news. The auditorium size was gonna be 400 seats. Now it's going to be 600 seat auditorium. That's growth, that's great. That gives us room to grow. The time to occupy under the current problems in America was going to be two to three years to build. Now we're going to be in in under a year to build it. So that's great news. Hey, if you're on the setup team, you're welcome. If you're on the breakdown team, you can give me the high fives after the service. Amen. Um, so, so kids in spaces. The old plan, yes, yes. new plan, yes, yes, larger. End of that. A lo lobby with, with a coffee shop, of course, we keep the coffee. End of that. Of that. Offices, yes. But we anticipate growth as we move into a new place in that great location. So we're adding room for more staff as we build it out. A multi-purpose room. We, we had no space in the old plan for a multi-purpose room. What is that? That's a room that can be used for a big room for our kids' church ministry on Sunday. It can be flipped and used for our youth ministry. We can use it for all kinds of ministries that need space for about 125 people. It will be fantastic for that. So we have that. We also have... Um, moving on down, ownership. Now, this is one that I've had to, to work myself through. Ownership, yes, in the old. Now we're going to have a 15-year lease. We have in our contract, though, the option to buy that property if the owner decides to sell that property. And the last I want to tell you are about ministry opportunities. So the old plan limited, and certainly where we are today, limited versus what we're going to have when we move into this. So think about some things right now. Uh, Jody Reif, he's right here in the front row. He leads our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Jody, would you just stand up real quick? I just want to celebrate you. You're amazing. So... Somewhere around 100 to 125 people meet every Monday for Celebrate Recovery to help people walk through the difficulties in life. Jody leads that ministry. His ministry is too big for anything we have, and we can't house his ministry in our own church facilities. So therefore, he is able to find a place in another church in our town that hosts him. When we move into this, Jody gets to come back home. Amen. Amen.
celebrate recovery. We hosted a worship, I mean, I'm sorry, we hosted our uh, Flourish event a couple weeks ago. Amazing, by the way. But what it took to do that was incredible load of work. Gina organized everything. Great job, Gina. Amazing organization. But we had to organize set up on Thursday. We had to reset everything. We hauled truckload, carload. I don't know how many carloads Gina took from the offices over here with stuff. And just we just worked our fannies off to be able to have a, an event in this building. And, and it was great, but it is so not practical to have an event. When we were in our previous home in the mall, we had monthly worship nights. Some of the most powerful nights we've ever had were in our worship nights and praying for people. We had healing services and it was amazing on a monthly basis. Well, we can't do those because we can't set up in the week. When we move here, here comes worship nights again. Amen. It's going to be so great. Years ago when Hurricane Florence hit and we had just recently, like within a week, moved into this facility. And when the hurricane hit, of course, our city was devastated, flooded everywhere. And one of the large international ministries contacted me. I don't know how they, I think someone from an organization part of gave them my phone number. And Samaritan's Purse called me on my cell phone and said, hey, we want to come to Wilmington and park our Samaritan Purse big trailer there and do help all through our city and use your church as the host church to make that happen. And I said to them, I'm so honored that you would even think of us, but I don't own a parking lot to park your trailer in. And so I said, you're going to have to pivot and find another spot to go to. And they did. They found another amazing church in our city and they partnered. And, and it was beautiful how that worked out because God's always great that way. And, and, but I, I remember just thinking, I just regretted that I couldn't be a part of that because I didn't have a place. We're getting ready to have a place. We're going to have our place. We have a home. We're going to have a home, people. <laughs> I just can't wait to have a home. It's going to be so great. So church, that's what's happening. We have a new home on Oleander and we're going to see God do great things we need a building. We need it now. God has opened a brand new door for us. And with a new building, we'll pursue the dreams and the call that God has put in our hearts. Amen, church. So I have a few frequently asked questions. Now, no one's asked these yet, but I feel like you probably will. So I want to ask, I want to answer them before you ask them, um, because you're going to send me an email and I'll just help you. Um, so first question is, is, are we going to sell our church property? And the answer is yes, we're going to put it up for sale next week. And um, we're going to use the proceeds from that property to allow us to outfit and upfit this new building so that we can go in as close to debt free as possible. Now, we just before you clap on that, I'll share something even more exciting. But we paid $700,000 for this land. And it was an amazing purchase. But with the price of things going up, that land today is now two to three times more valuable than when we paid for it. And we're going to sell it for probably in that two plus million dollar range. And so when we paid for that 
up front. We, we're debt free on it now. Every dollar that was invested in that property is now worth two to three times more than what we put into it. And I believe that God led us to buy that property. I believe God said, Tim, I need you to take your church, buy that property, lead a campaign for everybody to pay that off because I'm going to help you provide for your future for, the, for this new building. Amen? Amen. So, number two, when will we begin remodeling the old skating ring to become Life Church? In other words, when do we get to move in? That's the big question. And so I'm going to estimate because I want to leave a little, you know, a little room for, for this to take longer than, than maybe. But I'm going to estimate this summer, early fall, we'll begin the remodel project. And then it will probably take about a year. So my anticipation would be that before the school season of 23, that we'll have our grand opening service and that's just a great time to launch a brand new location because everybody's going to be gone on summer and then they come back to some from summer. They're ready to go back to church and we're going to have a grand opening somewhere in that time frame. That's the time frame. Amen, church. Amen. Number three, will we have a fundraiser to pay for the remaining portion of the expenses and probably no one did ask that. I just wanted to let you know um, that, yes, we are going to have a fundraiser. And we want to be able to go debt-free as fast as we possibly can. And I do not want to be saddled with the expenses of, of, the, of the upfit for any longer than we have to. And so in May, we're going to launch a campaign to pay for everything that's coming our way. And we'll be completely ready. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, one last story as I close out today. And, and I want to thank you all for clapping and, and being so supportive and, and just pivoting. You know, you, you, you made a quick pivot. In a transparent moment, I probably didn't pivot quite as fast as you just did. So we purchased this property five years ago and began to cast vision for our church. And many of you all bought the vision. You've been here through it all and you've sown into it. You've, you've dreamed with us. I remember preaching a message about driving by and claiming it as done. And, and we've, people have driven by and held their hand out the window to that property and said, Lord, it's done. You know, we believe it. I have walked that property. I have circled the boundaries of that property on foot. Our staff has been out there. We've prayed over that property. When we got our building plans in, I located where the stage would be on that property. I found it. And then I made a X where my pulpit would be. And I preached on that property. I have, I, listen, the, the squirrels are saved. <laughs> the trees have waved their branches in worship. Uh, and the reality is I, I've, we have placed a lot of dreams there. We planted dreams there. And when this first bid and the second bid and the third bid came in at that 5.7 to $6 million, I was crushed. And I, I, I didn't probably 
pivot just as quick as you did, but I didn't have some of the information you had either. I was only left with a closed door for a moment. And I complained to God a little bit. I, I, I said to God, I'm really disappointed. And I said, then, God, you have to tell the church because I, I can't tell them that. I mean, that's kind of funny, but I mean, reality is, how do you tell your church about dreams that are crushed and we can't move forward? About two weeks went by from that moment. Maybe not even that long. I mean, just soon. I finished preaching here on a Sunday and I'm standing out in the lobby. And somebody walks by and to this day, I cannot remember who it was. So if you're here today, please come tell me it was you. But somebody walked by me and they said, hey, I'm part of a men's Bible study that meets in the jelly bean skating rink. And he said, I saw a lease sign on that building. Thought you'd want to know. That was the end of the conversation. But it planted a seed there. And I found out who owned that building was Mr. Nathan Sanders. And so first of all, whoever that person was, I want you to know you were the voice of the Holy Spirit that moment. Uh, you never know how God uses people. So if that's you, please come by and see me. I, I want to give you credit. But I called Mr. Sanders and I said, hey, uh, we're a church. I'm interested in, in leasing your space. And uh, he said, you know what? I prayed that God would use this building for the glory of God. And over a two-month period, we have finalized a contract with him. And I'll just give you one thing, because I, I want to give him a, a real humbling shout-out to this godly man. He, for the first two years of our lease, when we start our lease, has agreed to give our church $3,000 a month for two years to help pay for the lease on this building. That's a godly man. He would not want you to say to him anything about that, but I just have to acknowledge how amazing that man is. So when I was in this moment, though, of, of my disappointment and not sure how to bring this to my church, I'd heard that news, but somewhere about that time, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and reminded me of my call. And my call has always been to minister to people and not build churches. And the Holy Spirit said, what is better? That you have a building over here or I provide you a better situation over here for you to reach more people in a faster way. And I realized that God was opening a door that would not saddle our church with $5.7 million in debt. Because if I had gone forward and forced that door open, if I found a way to make that happen, we would have become a church that was so focused on paying bills rather than on reaching people. I would have been having to preach on tithing. I wouldn't have done it, but that would have been the temptation to preach on tithing, to pay for a huge debt. It could have been a ministry killer for us 
Listen, I don't know. God's gracious. Maybe he had another way. I, you know, but I know this, that if I'd plowed forward, I would have missed a new opportunity. And when I figured that out, I became so celebratory because I know God's got us in his hands and we can trust him and he's got more for us and we can legitimately say with God, the best is yet to come. Amen, church. I share that story because some of you may need to pivot. And if you're like me and it took you just a moment to get there, I want to give you permission to process. I, you know, I preach about change and faith and, and it's easy to preach, but living that side of the story of me struggling is the reality that what everybody goes through. And you're like, he needs to talk about that. And I'm talking about that. And so if in your life, whatever you're going through and change has been hard and, and you're having to process, I want to give you permission. But then allow your trust to build back because God will open a new door for you. Amen? Amen. I want to finish with this. The most important thing I can tell you all day. The most important message I have for us today as a church is on the screen. And it has to do with salvation. And if you've never become a follower of Jesus Christ, then I want to give you this invitation today. And I want to share it to you like this, that you are loved by God. And it's not about anything you've done or haven't done. He just loves you. But we've all missed it. We've all sinned. And it's that sin that separates us from God. Every person. So we all come to, to Jesus as at a level playing field. But Jesus, it says, died on the cross. In other words, he forgives all of those sins so that we're clean. And we come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father because of Jesus. Our job is to believe in Jesus to be our Savior, to believe in him that he forgives our sins. And we commit to follow him. And I want to give you this moment to commit to follow Jesus today and for all your sins to be forgiven and you begin a brand new life today. Would you bow your heads for this moment? Lord, if there are people here that have never made a decision to follow Jesus, would you knock on their heart right now? Would you speak to them and let them know this is real and this is for them? And now would you do me a favor? If you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus, for the first time. Would you raise your hand real high? I'd love to see your hand. So today I want to decide to follow Jesus. Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my life that I've that sinned. I turn to Jesus for forgiveness. I ask for forgiveness today. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, God bless you. Thank you for coming. Go buy your new church home out there and put your hand out the window and say, done again. Done again. <laughs> I love you, church. God bless.